All right, am I on? Okay, I, I had accidentally shut my mic off there. Well, this is the fifth, and it is the final installment of our uh, series uh, dealing with your dysfunction. And uh, I've been endeavoring to teach and counsel a little bit, uh, generally, publicly, for everyone, hoping that uh, if we can get some general precept into our system, that uh, it'll knock out all the... Uh, thousands of dollars folks may pay for their therapy, they can begin to put some things into their life and apply them in order to get some, some functionality back into their life. It's impossible, really there's two impossibilities. Number one, it's impossible for me to go back and review everything we've talked about. If you'd like to hear what all we've instructed and counseled on, you can either pick up a, a set of DVDs for it or uh, you can just go to your internet, go to our website. Uh, which, by the way, we've got some new things posted on the website. You might want to go and check it out. I'm not going to tell you what got posted. I'll let you just browse it and find it for yourself. But uh, you can go and see those new things. You can go to the media link on our website, and you can go to iTunes, and you can pick everything up absolutely free of charge. And so we, in, we encourage you to do that. The second, the second thing is that there's no way, if um, there are 200 folks here, it would be impossible for me to address the specifics of what may be not working or functioning correctly in your life. It would be impossible. We would be here, uh, wow, that'd take four or five years, wouldn't it, to get through all of that. Uh, and so that's just not possible. And so my prayer has been, and, and it has been a sincere matter of prayer, that the Holy Spirit would somehow work in this moment and give you the ability to begin to plug in what it is you needed plugged in in that area that may be unique or specific to you. And, and so my prayer has been, oh God, give us ears to hear and give us eyes to see and give us a heart to obey and, and help us connect some dots so that we can begin to see some distinguishable change uh, take place in our life. Before I, before I jump into this next lesson, I, I also want to say, because we're concluding, um, the next really two weeks, the next couple of weeks, uh, I believe it's going to be an exciting time here at Legacy. We're going to we're going to specifically begin to speak some things into you, uh, and together we're going to believe for power. We're going to we're going to believe for a demonstration of the Spirit into power. And so for the next two weeks, I can tell you that we're going to sow faith into you. We're going to. Uh, do some things hopefully that can create the atmosphere where God can move in some miraculous ways and I don't know about you but I, I want to see miracles take place I mean real live miracles I don't want accidents anymore I don't believe in coincidence by the way but nonetheless I'm, I'm tired of people hearing a testimony and in their mind saying well that could have been coincidence I want God to distinguish himself suspend the laws of nature just take reports that were given perhaps by the medical profession. We love doctors. We love nurses. We love what they do because I believe healing is of the Lord. So we love what they do. But I would love to just mystify the medical community with miracles. And so we're just going to have to begin to believe God in a brand new way and begin to step into some new things. So I know the next couple of weeks are going to be really, uh, I believe, encouraging in that regard. Uh, of course, we've got Father's Day coming up, and we've got a real surprise for you on Father's Day. I, I don't know that I'm going to announce the surprise, but I'm just telling you, dads, there's going to be a great surprise on Father's Day. 
So you won't want to miss that. And then as we end June and we begin July, I'm going to begin a new series. Some of you have been with me now for many years, and I'm just kind of giving you a calendar update here. Some of you have been with me for years, and I've not done this for a few years, but how many of you remember when I would take those few weeks out of that time and I'd teach on God and country subjects? I don't know, some of you remember that. When I would talk about America's Christian beginnings and America's godly foundation. Um, Well, the reason I haven't done that in recent years is because number one is I know most of you have that sewed into you and you understand that at least at a level. But there are some other things that I want to touch on. And so there's going to be a a new series. I think I'm going to take about three weeks on it and I'm going to call it In God We Trust. And it's going to have a question mark. In God We Trust. How many of you know your... Your change and your money in your billfold all have the phrase, in God we trust. Do we? Well, we're going to talk about God and our nation. And uh, I think it's a good time to talk about some things. Some things I will assure you, you have never heard before, but you need to know. And so we're going to spend some time on that. And that just kind of gives you a taste for what will be coming up in the weeks ahead. But we've got to finish strong, don't we? What we started about dealing with our dysfunction. This past week, um, as I was working on this and scratching out my final notes, the Holy Spirit began to work on me. Isn't it good to know that the Holy Spirit works on pastor before he works on you sometimes? Don't think that I haven't got my tail pulled through a knot hole before yours gets pulled through. And I was back in my office, I was scratching out my notes, and the Lord was really talking to me about some things, and I had already gotten an idea as to where I felt like we needed to go. And uh, this morning, uh, I'll give you the official title here in just a moment, but I knew he was going to talk a little bit about order this morning. And, and the Holy Spirit really began to work on me, and I started to look at my office. And I thought to myself, I cannot teach on order with an office that looks this way. And so I just went after it. And so we spent several days just putting things back in order. How many of you know it's easy to get out of order in some things? Life just goes on. Things happen. You get busy. And order just seems to get lost somewhere. And so I was looking at my office. It had been a long while since I had straightened things up. And I just got, I got the trash bag in there. I started tossing things out. I started moving things around. I made sure I could find a place for everything. And this was what was interesting. As I was doing all of this, something something started to happen inside of me. I started feeling better. I never had really thought about that before. I, I seemed to be more effective. I kind of liked sitting in my office. And all I did was straighten things up And I put it in order. Listen to me. Putting things in order caused my overall life and perspective to change. All I did was straighten up my office. We we moved some things around. And all of a sudden, just by doing these simple things, something inside of me began to change and function right again. It's amazing. I want you just to stop and realize that it is amazing what order will do in your life. The Holy Spirit began to talk to me out of that. And so we're going to finish with what I've called establishing order in your life. Establishing order in your life. The 50th Psalm. 
I want to read a couple of verses out of the old and then we're going to flip over to Colossians and read some things out of Colossians chapter 2 as well. But um, turn to Psalm 50 and I want to read a few verses beginning with verse 21. This is what the psalmist said. These things you have done and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now, apparently what's going on here, as the Lord is speaking through the psalmist, apparently the psalmist or the people that are being addressed here have done some things and they just simply felt like God wasn't going to say anything about it. They were just going to go about living life, doing as they pleased, and somehow or another, God wasn't going to say anything about it. But he says, I'm going to rebuke you on this. And I'm going to set them in order before your eyes. He goes on, now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Verse 23, which is the important verse. It says, whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation And I have little parentheses here in my Bible around the word salvation because I believe I taught you last week or maybe the week prior to that, that salvation was not just your eternal destiny. But salvation in the scripture is, is if there was anything holistic in the Bible, it is the concept of salvation. Salvation is your eternal destiny, but salvation is also your personal wholeness. It is God prospering your hands in order to pay bills and meet your needs. It has to deal with deliverance and freedom from bondage. It has to deal with abundant living. And so it says to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the fullness of salvation of God. Isn't that interesting? Now you need to underline. That's an underlinable verse, isn't it? Turn over to Colossians chapter 2, and I'm just going to read one verse here. Colossians 2 verse 5, it says, For though I'm absent in the flesh, Paul writes, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see, he says, your good order. Now this is what I always say to myself when I read something. If there is good order, then there must be... Ah. If there's good order, it must be things could be out of order. So he says, I'm rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. We could read on as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Let's talk about embracing and establishing order in your life. The psalmist as I read to you, is very explicit when he says that he who orders his life will experience the fullness of all that salvation provides. Now, in a previous lesson, we defined dysfunction as uh, really a simple, uh, maybe technical definition. In fact, if we could simplify what it means, it could be reduced to Something that is out of order. Dysfunction means something that's out of order. And obviously, if something is out of order, it means that it's not working properly or it's not working as it was intended to operate. Now, let me just give you some silly, obvious illustrations. You go to the Coke machine. You put your money into the Coke machine. It gobbles up your money. 
You push the button for whatever it is you're wanting and it does not vend appropriately. And, and so you're pushing the button and you're pushing the button and nothing's going on. And what happens after that? You start slapping the button and shaking the machine because it's out of order. We do this all the time. How many of you have ever put money into the glass-plated candy potato chip machine? And how many of you have had this happen to you? That, that, that the little thing that runs, you know, on that track, it runs on the track, and, and the potato chip or whatever it is starts to fall, and it hits the glass. Has that ever happened to you? I just, I, I hate those machines. I just avoid them if at all possible. And, and so it, it's out of order. It doesn't work right. And, and what do we begin to do? We begin to shake the machine, slap the machine, thinking if I slap it hard enough, if I shake it enough, that somehow or another we're going to get this thing to work right and do what it's supposed to do. How about a car that doesn't work? For some reason or another, it is just shut down. It's broke down. I know we just get aggravated at these things. And what do we do? We kick it. We slam the steering wheel. We, we slam the hood. And anytime we find something that's out of order, it is frustrating to us. Now, listen carefully. For many people, we face... Things that are out of order like our whole life. Maybe our marriage. Maybe our family. Maybe our finances. And it's exactly the same thing. We're beginning to look at this, this dysfunctional, out of order area of our life. And this is what we do. We think if we yell at it, we slap it, we kick it, we do all of these, shake it, somehow or another, if you just shake it hard enough, Somehow or another, it will fix it. And the sad fact is, you'll still be frustrated because shaking it isn't what fixes it. You've got to find what it's going to take in order to get what is out of order back in order. Now, there are two keys that I believe will be on the screen overhead that you'll, you'll need to get a hold of in this area that's very, very important. Number one is, and that is, God will not multiply and bless disorder. Now, I'm just telling you, this is the truth. He will not multiply and bless disorder. Why? Why would he not multiply that? It is because he would be increasing dysfunction in the earth. Now, it gets multiplied anyway, and I'll get to that here in just a second. But, but the reason sometimes God doesn't move in our life like we think he needs to move is because we haven't done our part in putting some things in order. He wants to bless you, but he doesn't want to multiply your dysfunction. So this is why it's so important. Now, again, he's not expecting perfect performance, but he is expecting pursuit and desire. Now, the second thing that's very important that you need to get a hold of, it's this, that the enemy will exploit disorder. Whenever he sees disorder, he will begin to exploit that area of your life. Why does he do that? It is because for the enemy, it brings him greater help to his strategy of to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his job description. And so he sees disorder, and he knows that he can use that, exploit that, in order to help bring about those evil strategies in your life. And so you've got to get a hold of this. If, you, if there's disorder or dysfunction, 
It's got to be addressed. The enemy will exploit it. God will not multiply it. And so it behooves you. I mean, I've always wanted to use behooves you. To begin to put some order back in your life. Now let's understand the importance of order. Let me give you the definition of order. So we're talking about the same thing. Order as I've defined it is this. The accurate and biblical arrangement of things. The world has an order but it may not be the right order. So it's not just the accurate arrangement of things. In fact, if you go to a dictionary, that's probably how it would be defined. But it's not just an accurate arrangement of things. It must be a biblically accurate arrangement of things. Order is placing an item where it belongs. It ranges from something as simple as keeping your clothes in the appropriate place to making sure your life is prioritized naturally and spiritually. In fact, here's another concept I'm going to throw out. Any movement toward order, any movement toward order generates greater pleasure, greater success, and greater comfort. I'm going to keep that on the screen for just a minute. Any movement toward order generates greater pleasure. You know, I just cleaned up my office and I just felt better. I mean, I don't know how it works, ladies, at your house, but some of you, I know my wife the other day, she said, I've got to clean, I've just, we've let it go too long, we're going to clean the house, and so she cleaned the house, and she got done, and she just said it out loud. She didn't even know what I was going to talk about, but she just said it out loud. I just feel better. My house is clean. There's just something that, that brought pleasure, and, and whenever things are in order, it brings success, it can bring comfort. I mean, think about this for just a minute. When you walk into a room that has order, you feel safe. For some of you, let's just use church as an example. You've walked into church scenarios that, that were pretty exuberant, but it was out of order exuberance. And in that, you just feel a little, oh, what's going to happen next? I mean, I don't know. And, 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 and it can cause a discomfort. Now, we're pretty energized here. And we want a liberty of the Holy Spirit, most certainly. But there has to be an order in all of that as well. And when you sense order, you sense safety. In fact, you want to stay where there's order. Things just feel right to you. You feel clean. You feel energized. You feel happy. If you walk into a room of clutter, it can depress you. Isn't that true? I mean, you can, you can get agitated. And there are times I was like that. I just, you just get, I got in my office the other day. I was just, and I control my office. So understand, I have no one to get mad at except me. And I just looked at it after, and I just, I'm, it agitated me. And you don't even know why it's agitating you. It's because there is no order. That's just the power of order. Now, some of you are struggling here. I'm using these little silly natural illustrations to say this. Some of you are struggling in areas of your life. It may be financial areas. There may be relationship areas, family. Spiritually, you may be struggling. And you would tell me that your intention is to succeed. Can I just say this? I have yet to meet a person that has had a bad intention. I've never met anybody that said, I have a rotten motive. I mean, everybody I visit with, whenever we start talking about things and being out of order and bringing correction or whatever is going on in their life, invariably they'll say to me, but my intention was right. My motive was good. 
And so I've never met anyone who had a bad intention. And their intention is to succeed. Their intention is to be happy. Their intention is to get where they need to be. The problem isn't your intention. The problem is that there may be a lack of order that you need to look at that is the cause of the problem. Now, it's not just you're not picking up your clothes and getting them to the dirty clothes basket. I mean, we're talking about there may be spiritual things out of order. There may be family things out of order. There may be financial things out of order. And until order is restored, listen, or we go back to the key concept, any movement toward order, and I'll get to this in just a second, any movement toward order begins to bring peace and happiness and comfort back to you. Now, let me give you some important facts that I discovered about order. Important facts about order in your life. Number one is this. I believe that you and I were created for order. God created us to function properly in His divine order. There was a reason that He said, listen to me, the way of the transgressor is hard. That's a Bible verse. The way of the transgressor is hard. This is really interesting. Let me me just kind of take a rabbit trail here. Scripture says there's pleasure in sin for a season. And there's no doubt about it. We can walk wayward. We can walk and miss the mark. Sin being uh, uh, missing the mark of God's design, His perfect design. We can walk the way of sin. And there's pleasure in that, the Scripture says, for a season. In other words, it's really cool for a while. But then what happens is, is that it switches over to the way of the transgressor is hard. Because there will come a moment that sin, while it seems to to tantalize and tickle you and it feels so good for a season, it will eventually shift you to the place where it is very, very, very hard. And the reason it is hard is because you were not created to do that. You were created to function in an order that brings to you contentment, fulfillment, happiness, joy, success, all of these things. And the moment you depart from that you're going to begin to find yourself struggling in areas of your life. Life will get dysfunctional. So realize God created you. He wired you, all of us here, to walk in His order. Number two, everything you do in life will either increase order or disorder. Everything you do in life. Think about it. When you sit down for a meal... And maybe you're eating with your family around the table. And dinner time's over and everybody gets up and walks away from the table. They don't, they don't move any of the dishes. They don't do anything to the table. They just get up and move away from the table. That simple act of getting up and moving away from the table instantly created for you more work. Is that not true? It sure did, because if you let it set there long enough, let's just say you let that disorder set there long enough, and that wonderful meal that you had, all of a sudden becomes encrusted on the plates. So now it's not just a simple taking it to the sink and washing it out and and putting it back into the dishwasher or wherever it is it's going, but now, later on, you've got to take the chisel out. And chisel it off and you've created for yourself more work. So that simple act of order or disorder begins to produce certain things in your life. 
I'm the worst at this. I will go home, and, and I won't do it today because of what I'm saying to you. I'm acutely sensitive to this now. But it is not beyond the realm of possibility for pastor to go home after Sunday morning service, and we have just a, a little breakfast nookie bar thing with some high chairs that are sitting there, and I'll take my coat off, and I'll just throw, flop it over uh, the chair. Sometimes if I wear a tie, I'll take my tie off, and I'll flop it over there. And, and I won't get it to where it needs to go. I just, I won't do that. And so what I've done is this, that one simple action has brought disorder to this room that my wife spent all day Saturday putting into order. And because of that one simple act, I bring something into the equation that's probably going to irritate her. Are you following me? See? So everything you do is simple action. You can, a simple action, you can create more work for yourself. You, it's simple action. You can create something that's going to take much longer than if we just decide to work in order. Number three, order eliminates stress and irritation. Again, I've, you know, my desk was, if you got, everybody ought to go look at my desk before you leave today. I mean, it's just nice. But I'm not kidding you. There was a moment I had papers everywhere. It was like, don't touch my papers. This is my filing system. And, and, and I had papers everywhere. And you know what? Somebody called on the phone. I need to find something. And it was aggravating. It was irritating. But once it's put in order, there's no stress. There's just a sense of freedom. Think about this. What, what are your family fights really over? I mean, think about family fusses. And I can almost assure you that what they're over most of the time is the fight between order and disorder. If you're fussing in a family, we're fussing over what? Finances. Maybe why there's not enough money. If we're fussing in a family, maybe we're fussing over job assignments. Why is it that you didn't do this? And they look, why didn't you do this? Maybe we're fussing about communication and how communication is supposed to take place. All of the issues that most of us face in life when we, when we get into a fight or a fuss is based on the fact that somehow, some way, disorder has entered into the equation. And once the, the, the machine, the vending machine of the marriage, even though you're putting in what you think you're going to do in order to get what you want out of it, the fact is if something isn't working right, you can hit it, slap it, yell at it, scream at it, shake it, turn it over, stomp on it, and it isn't happening. All right. That was fun right there, though. So a fight starts over someone saying, really, this is out of order. Number four. And then order speaks things to those around you. Order speaks things to those around you. I will never forget. Trace will remember this story. This was probably back in 1990. I was... I was driving and I had to go somewhere with my pastor, Pastor Miles. And he was in my car. And I hate to admit this, but back in that day, I'm still not real great at it, but back in that day, I was absolutely terrible about my vehicle. My vehicle was usually not clean. I, you know, I'd, I'd go to McDonald's and I'd eat McDonald's and just wad it all up and I'd just, you know, throw it in the backseat. And Pastor Miles wanted to go somewhere that day and he just... I had no idea. Now, I'd have cleaned it up probably if I knew I had to take him somewhere. But, but how many of you know God? God's going to find you and work on you. And so he came in and said, Kevin, i got to go somewhere. I really need you to take me. Would you drive me? Well, you're not going to say no to your pastor. I mean, so, okay, so we got into the vehicle. 
and we were riding along in the car, and some of you know Pastor Miles, he's just, he's just a soft-spoken kind of guy, he really doesn't even talk much, it's really hard to have a conversation with him, and, and we're just riding down the road, and I'm just being quiet, and he's being quiet, and all of a sudden, this is just out of the blue, he just says, um, you ever wash your car? Yes, sir. Really? You, you clean it? Yes, sir, I do. We're going down the road. And this is just out of the blue. I mean, it's just, it is so poignant. All of a sudden he says, you know, how a man keeps his car tells you a lot about the man. I, I, I know how it worked for most people. You'd be offended and leave. I was embarrassed and said, I'm going I'm to take care of that, sir. You can, you can count on me taking, taking care of that. See, order says something about you and me. You know it does. What about your neighbor who can't mow their lawn? What does that say? What about the youngster in your neighborhood that, that doesn't respond when his, when his parents are calling him to come in? What, what, is, what does that say? What do you think a church looks like to the world when we're not in order? I mean, we're not, I'm not just talking about because we do things liturgically. I don't, God doesn't give a rip whether you use a prayer book or whether you use a screen over the top of you. He doesn't really care about that. What he does care about is your character. He does care about those kind of orderly things. See, God wants us to demonstrate order in every aspect of our life. How we work, he wants us to be in order. How we play, we should be in order. How we're married, we should be in order. How we raise kids, we should be in order. How we stay whole, emotionally, psychologically, we should be in order. I was reading this, it really, I tell you, the, the Holy Ghost nailed me. The, in this one book I was reading this week, it said from a psychologist that the arrangement of a person's garage will tell you a lot about that person's mind. I thought, sweet Jesus, keep the door closed on my garage. That's So I know what I'm going to be doing this summer. But you see, the order, the order in your life, the order in your family, the order in your marriage, in your finances, I understand I'm, I'm taking a broad swath here, and I have to, because the church exists in order to teach you the Scripture so that you can put order into your life. Now, sometimes a sermon specifically will deal with a specific issue that will help you bring order to your life. But I can tell you this, that whatever it is that you need to be in the house of God under instruction. See, we're just not here to to cheerlead you and exhort you as great as those things are. And they are needed at times. But somebody's got to sit down with the people of God and say, let me tell you how to order. Because it won't work right if it's out of order. There are Christians right now that are frustrated, they are discouraged, they are without their hope. There are people who have walked away from their faith and walked away from the church itself. There are people who would look at you and say, I tried it and it didn't work. And all the things you and I hear, and the reason is that nobody lovingly looked them in the eye and said, the machine of your life isn't going to work right till you get order in it. Now again, we're not looking for perfect people, we're looking for people who are just wanting to be whole. God will work with little, little as much when God's in it. But, but if you aren't in the hunt, God, God can't do much, I don't believe, with that. 
So, so we've got to learn how to, how to bring order into all of these areas. And then finally, number five, people around you will increase order or disorder. I mean, some people around you have just an overall attitude of disorder. And they want to control the dysfunction. And you have to address that in order for anything to function correctly. I can think of all sorts of ways. I know that there are some marriages that struggle because of, you know, the in-laws on either side. And you, and you gotta, if, if, if your, if your relationship's gonna work, that's gotta lovingly be put in order. There are times that, that, uh, there are blended families. And so there's biological parents and there's step parents and everybody's involved in discipline and this and that and the other. And I'm just telling you, you just can't do this hodgepodge mess. You've got to find a way to bring order to this thing if you want it to work right. Now, don't be hopeless. There are ways to do that. But people around you will increase order or disorder. All of us tend to fall to the lowest common denominator. That's the... That's the sad part of the human condition is that all of us tend to, when we're, when we're just left to our own devices, we'll drop to the lowest common denominator. And so what we need is we need help by being around one another and those that will challenge us in order to step into more and more order in our life. So people around us will create order and disorder. Now, why do we permit disorder? Why do, why do we even permit it? I'm going I'm to go with this quickly. Number one is some of us were raised in that environment. When we were growing up, in fact, this is one of the most interesting things. I get to, of course, it's been years since I've done this, uh, you know, in depth. I don't do it as much as I used to do it because we just have not had as many people getting married recently as years past. But whenever I'm in a premarital counseling situation, the most interesting thing when you sit down with a couple, especially a young couple, it may not be so with an older couple, but a young couple, this is one of the most interesting things in premarital counseling. If you want to know what goes on in premarital counseling, I will let you look behind the veil right now. I will look at this couple and I'll say this. Who's going to the grocery store? And watch the most fascinating thing you've ever seen take place in front of your eyes. Because the one household, just the mom went to the grocery store. The dad would have never considered going to the grocery store. And so just the mom went to the grocery store and usually that's with the boy. And so the boy thinks that's a woman's job. But the girl grew up where mom and dad went to the grocery store. And so the instant you ask that question, you'll hear one of them go her and the other one and the other one may at times say both. But oftentimes I'll watch I'll watch her go. "Uh, uh, 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 I guess it's me. And I'll think, oh, there's your first good fight. Oh, once, once that old puppy love is six months down the road, that's going to be your first good fuss. Who's going to do the laundry? Who's going to iron the clothes? Who's going to mow the lawn? It's the most fascinating thing to watch the dynamics of people sitting in a chair. Who's going to do the dishes? <laughs> that's, that's, it's the, I have the funnest seat in the house at that particular moment. Who puts gas in the car? Everything they begin to answer, they answer based on the environment they grew up in. Whatever they saw their mom and dad do, they instantly just sort of assimilate it without thinking it through all of that much. And the problem is, especially when we're young, since that is how it works, 
and we've got nothing to compare it with, we instantly think that somehow or another mom and dad may have done things normally. Ha! Not usually the case. And so you've automatically, if, you've, if you were raised in a wonderful atmosphere, praise God. If you were raised in a, in a great home, praise God. We're not throwing stones at that. But for most people, can we just get honest and say for most people, there was plenty of dysfunction that we saw. And we've got to begin to realize that we've got to break out of those environmental things in order to put our lives back into order. But that's why we permit it. Number two, I found that we permit disorder because some are just slothful or lazy. The Bible says a lot of things about these two areas. Slothful, believe it or not, is, does not mean lazy. It means neutral. So, so when you see slothful in the scripture, it doesn't mean lazy. It means neutral. It means, it means you're apathetic. You, you just, you're just neutral about it. You don't, you don't give a rip. Lazy has more to deal with unmotivated or lethargic. But God tells us that we have to work at implementing and maintaining order in our life because it is easy to drift back into disorder. And then number three, the reason we permit disorder is because some have committed to non-priorities. This is important, and, and, and hear me when I say this, that God has no problem, and, and really I have no problem, as if, as if that would matter. But there is, there is a legitimate, rightful, healthy place for hobbies, sports, vacations, extracurricular activities, and all of these sorts of things. There is a healthy and appropriate place for these things. But listen to me, you are a finite being with only so much time, and the Lord expects His priorities for you to have a major place in your life as you enjoy life as well. And we've touched on this in other lessons, but you cannot, you cannot have a life that's in order and think that you can cut out the things of God which help bring order and maintain order in your life. You can't cut out your devotional time and think somehow that won't catch up to you. You can't cut out certain things and think that's going to catch up with you. Now, you must have family time. You must have marriage time. Date nights are good. Family times are great. But if you're... If your day, if every waking hour is scheduled up with your three jobs that you're trying to work and your five hobbies that you have and your four sports programs and your two school clubs and all of this other stuff that's going on, you know, I know right now what gets pushed off. Well, because, you know, God's with us wherever we go. Well, yeah, true. But there are certain priorities in your life that bring order to it. Hey, the next time your soccer game brings order to your life, I'll let you teach the seminar. Are you hearing me? We've got to look at our lives, folks. It's getting busier and busier. And can I just tell you, I believe that's a strategy of the enemy as well. That, that it's causing the allure of our media-driven society, the allure of television, the allure of everything that's around us is causing us to busy up. And we're just so busy, we can't find time for the things that are really, really important. And, and so in order to feel better or to feel like we're being exposed or to have experiences, we put non-priorities in our life. Let, let me tell you something. I love the game of baseball. I was a pretty good baseball player. I played college baseball. But you know what? There was a moment I had enough sense to know that my calling wasn't baseball. 
So I had to adjust. Now, I played all those years. There's nothing wrong with that, nothing at all. But there came a moment I said, you know, something when you're married and you have children and all these other things... You know what? I sacrifice. My wife will tell you, I, I love playing softball. I played softball early in our days of, of our marriage. But when the kids came along, things had to shift because they became priority. And especially if I'm keeping God as the number one priority. So we've got to look and say to ourselves, are these priorities a part of order in my life? Now, here we go for the good part. How do we, how do we begin to establish order in our life? Number one is you've got to recognize the chaos that disorder has produced. You got to recognize the chaos that disorder has produced. I have a, an uncle, and uh, he's he's a, he's he's a nice guy, likable guy, and uh, has lived in the same house I believe probably now for forty years. It's probably paid for. It's it's you know doesn't owe anything on it. Just has probably has to pay his taxes. But my, my uncle, as great of a guy as he is, does not know the meaning of getting rid of a car or a boat or a motorcycle or a camper. So what he has accrued by the way of vehicles and motorized toys through the years, he has kept them in his yard. So he's got, he's got vehicles all around. I mean, I, I guess he says to himself, if I just keep all these vehicles, I don't have to mow my lawn. Now, he was considering selling his home. Now, they put a sign out front, trying to sell it, but they didn't have much fortune and getting people to come by and check it out. And for some reason, he just couldn't see it. Wow. Now, everyone in this room would go, I, I can see that. Okay, can you? Well, well, now let's look at the cars. I'm not saying cars are in your yard, but let's talk about that thing that's off its wheels that you've got set up in your life and in your marriage and, and that, that you think is just the way it's going to be. You, you have got to understand that, that until you recognize the chaos that disorder has produced, some people are masters, are, are masters of just navigating chaos. In fact, their whole life has been designed now. They've become astute at navigating chaos. They don't think about bringing order. They just think about how do I navigate the chaos. Let me give you a suggestion. Get rid of the chaos. Bring order back into that situation. Some of you want God to move in these areas of your life and you can't see the reason and you don't want to hear it. Something in your life could well be biblically out of order. That's why we're to read His Word. We're to hide it in His heart. We're to meditate on it daily. We're to apply it to our lives. We just don't read it for the story. We read it to say, God, what are you saying in my life that I need to do? you got to recognize the chaos. Number two, you got to take a small step today toward putting things in order. Now, I showed you last week, I, I, I'm not going to show you again about our, our, our person what, and what about Bob. Remember baby steps. Now, there really is some truth to that. Baby steps. 
Do not leave here this morning and try to put everything in your life in order at once. Do not set a one-week goal to put everything that you now identify as disorder back in order. You will be worn out, it will frustrate you, and you will fail. You need to just take a step. If you'll just take one step, remember what I said, any movement toward order will generate success and happiness and all the things you're looking for. Test take a step, one step, and get that right. And then once you get that right and that's settled, take another step. Get that right. See, the key isn't looking different from this Sunday to the next Sunday. My, my hope is, is that as you begin to move and take a step, that from this Sunday to next year at this Sunday, we can begin to see a whole life that's been dramatically changed. And you're not frustrated, you're not worn out, you don't look at me and say, this doesn't work, God's not for me, where's the Lord? Let me Stop! Stop! Just take a little step. And if you choose to start now and take a small deliberate step and then another small deliberate step, you will be amazed where you will be 12 months from now. Number three, order is birth out of habits. Successful marriage, successful parenting, successful families, successful people are those who have created great habits. And this is how you define a habit. Anything you do twice becomes easier. If you'll do it two times in a row, it'll start becoming easier. The Bible says just interesting things. Daniel prayed three times a day. David prayed seven times a day. The disciples met consistently on the first day of the week. The Bible says that Jesus went to temple as was his custom. All of us can change a bad habit by establishing a good one. There is time and money that most people can and, and do anything they want to do. Because they just decided they're going to do it. And if you want change, you've got to decide that I want change and I'm going to invest it. I'm going to invest my time. I'm going to invest my finances in making that change. And it's birthed out of a habit. Successful people have good orderly habits in their life. Number four, you can learn things from those who demonstrate proper order. Learn things from those who demonstrate proper order. It's one of the reasons I put down here, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We rub shoulders with each other. We're here every Sunday with people. This is what I believe. I believe that when I come to the house of God and I, and I get to rub shoulders with you all, that I am in probably the best environment I will find godly, successful people trying, at least trying to do it right. I believe that. I believe when I come here, it's my best opportunity to find those who will help me bring or maintain or encourage order in my life. We, as we gather together, we see how parents parent. We see how husbands treat their wives and wives treat their husbands. We can see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we learn if we want to. I mean, sometimes I've often said this, that parents are the greatest models in our life. And sometimes they're great models, good models, and sometimes they're terrible ones. But you can walk away from your folks, however they may have parented or raised you, you can walk away from your folks and you learn something. My children learn good things from me and they've learned some things that I've already took them aside and say, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Take it from me. That was not a good thing your dad did. All right, so get around people who demonstrate proper order. Then finally, number five, I put order your priorities, order around your priorities, excuse me, and not emergencies. 
Now, as I was just scratching these things out, I was just thinking back early in my ministry. I thought that my responsibility was to respond instantly to everyone's emergency. Now, now let me just stop here and say there are some emergencies that are genuine emergencies and you need to drop what you're doing and, and, and do what you can in those moments. So I'm not suggesting that there aren't true emergencies. But I have found that that emergency can be defined differently by different people. Depending on who defines it, sometimes will determine whether or not we consider it to be an emergency. I love people and I want to help people. But emergencies cannot always set my agenda. Because truth of the matter is, is that if I allow emergencies to direct my path, that's all I will do is my emergencies and I'll never get to my priorities. And folks, we need to order around our priorities. I mean, there are emergencies probably every day that we're responding to. The phone rings, this happens, that happens. And, and, and some of it needs, again, needs to be tended to. But, but it's amazing when you order your life how things begin to find their place. Because Satan is the master of creating an emergency to detour you from a priority. And, and so you've got to understand, because we live with such tremendous guilt... Sometimes in our life, we're always responding to emergencies. And I'm just, just order your life. Begin to order your life according to priority. And before anything gets to trump a priority, ask yourself this question. Is this a valid trumping of my priority? Is it? Go back to Psalm 50 real quick, and I'm going to stop here. Psalm 50, verse 23. I'm coming in for a landing. Psalm 50, verse 23, just want to read it one more time. It says this, whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the dramatic, outlandish, over-the-top miracle working of God. I believe these things and I want to see these things. But listen to me. It may be that you do not need a dramatic miracle as much as you need to implement order. That if you would just implement some order, you would be amazed at what would become a miracle. Years ago when we were living in Oakland, California, and... uh, Tyler was super little, and uh, Clayton was probably two, three years, maybe not even three yet. He's probably two years old, somewhere in that area. We, we always had, Clayton was our challenging child. There was nothing easy with Clayton. Everything about him was just traumatic and, and challenging. And um, I won't go through the list of all the things that should have just been normal, happenings but it just wasn't normal and and so it was really 24 7 with clay Uh, i got to give tracy a lot of credit i I wish i had been a better dad in those days i was so busy trying to win the world that i was really kind of negligent in some ways to making sure i was helping her keep my oldest son on target but but clay couldn't go to a restaurant and just be happy. I mean, I, we'd, have to, we'd, we'd have to strategize before we could ever go out to dinner. We'd have to strategize before 
we could go to a restaurant because every time we went to a restaurant, no joke, he would, he'd start screaming, he'd yell, we'd give him some food, he'd pick it up, he'd hit the person at the next table with it. I mean, I'm not joking. I mean, it, I mean we, we hoped it would hit us. I mean, that's what it's, it's bad when you go to a restaurant and just say, I hope it's at us today. I mean, it wasn't easy. And, and, and you say, well, what did you do? Every time that would happen, I'd get him out of the high chair. You know, they're, they're seat belted in there. So I'd get him out of the high chair. I'd take him to the bathroom. We believed in corporal punishment. Yes, we did. You can't, you, you understand, a, a one, two-year-old, I mean, you can't look at him and say, don't do that. I, I mean, you really think don't do that? I mean, I'm just amazed. Anyway. So don't do that. Woo! But with clay, it wasn't even that easy. Because we'd get him back, we'd put him in the chair, buckle him all up, get scooted up to the table, I'd sit down again, we'd go for about two minutes, and there he was again. And so I'd have to unbuckle him again, pick him up out of the chair, take him to the thing. And we would do this, I'm not joking folks, three or four times to the point we didn't like going out to dinner. Not because we just knew it was going to be three or four times up and down, up and down, up and down. It was the same way when we took him to church. I mean, we, I would be in and out, in and out, in and out with him because he, he just wouldn't, he refused to learn what it meant to sit in church. He just refused to learn. And I was just bound and determined that he was going to learn what it meant to sit in church. And so we would go out and with God as my witness, he was the story that the old joke got a made about when the kid's walking out for the fourth time out of service and he yells out loud, everyone pray for me. And they'd all laugh just like you would. And I'd go. We kept working at it, working, and it was just, it was, it was very frustrating. But one day my folks had flown in and we were walking down at the wharf in San Francisco and looking at everything and Clay was in a stroller and we were looking at things and my dad had mentioned it was about dinner time. Hey, you want to all go, you want to go to dinner? And you know, we thought, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, of course we went to dinner because they were buying. So, so we were at the, uh, the Embarcadero down by the wharf and, and, and we found a restaurant because I think it was like on Christmas day. I don't know. It was, it was on a holiday where not much was open. And so we found this restaurant, and so we get him out and all the rest, and, and, and we're dressed sort of semi-right, but, but we got past when we were going to be seated, and when we walked into this restaurant, we instantly found out that this was not any ordinary restaurant. This was like a major hoity-toity, five-star, high-dollar, big-buck restaurant. And I'm thinking, oh God, I've got Clayton. But... We determined we were going to figure out a way to do this, so we got there. And, 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 you know, if any of you start a restaurant, I'm going to give you a suggestion. I hate, I hate the restaurants that have, like, the one long booth seat, and then they put tables up to it and then chairs on the other side, and that they set you at a place, and, like, you're just at, like, an arm's distance from the people at the next table. That really bugs me. Because I can't, you know, you just don't feel like you can talk because someone's always listening in. Or you're listening to them. You know, so I, I don't like it, but this was that kind of restaurant. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just that you're at this table and, and, and in a nice restaurant, but we got seated in one of those places. And so the high chair had to get slid in between our table and that next table. 
And at the next table, there was this, this man and this woman. They're probably at that time, I would say, in their 40s. Very well kept. Very well dressed. Very well to do. And as soon as we came in and sat down, I mean, I was trying not to look at them, but you could feel their eyes looking at us. Because they were saying the very thing I was exuding. They didn't know my son's name. They just knew his age. They were out for a nice meal. But there's a baby that's going to be sitting right next to him. Couldn't have been two years old yet. At that time, I wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost, but I swear I was praying in tongues at that moment. And, and I just, I think, Trace, I don't remember everything, but I know you were in, I just knew you were, and I was too, and, 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 we're, and we're sitting down. And of course, my, my mom and dad, they're grandparents, they don't give a rip. I mean, as far as they're concerned, Clay could throw spaghetti all over the restaurant and they wouldn't have cared, they're grandparents. But parents, we care, or should. So we were going through this whole, the whole time. And for the first time in his life, he made it. He made it. And that couple, when the, their meal was all over, stood up and they were all done. And they walked by our table, which was real close, wouldn't have taken a step and a half. And they looked at us and they said, we just want to compliment you on how good a, a, a baby, a, how good a boy he was tonight. Because you knew they were petrified. as to what, And they had every right to feel that way. And, and, and Clay did it. He did it. And I'm saying this using that little story. I can't say it worked that way all the time. I, I mean, you want to walk out of that and say, yes, we have won. No, they're like puppies. They got it that moment, but they could brain cramp at any moment. But I'm simply saying this to you to say this, that at that moment, our determination to put order in this aspect of our life caused those who watched around us to take note. And it wasn't just for the affirmation, it was for the testimony. Listen to me and I'm done. Order will cause people to stop and take notice. Order will cause people all of a sudden to say, how do you do this? What's going on in your life? I'm convinced of this, that right now our world has so much supernatural stuff thrown at them. Listen to me now. I believe in the supernatural, but what's getting thrown at them is demonic in nature, most of it. But listen to me. They, they watch it on TV. They get their psychics. They get all the supernatural. They get, there's a story that's called uh, uh, supernatural. I mean, everything out there. It's just, and they're so, they are, they're be so numb to all of this that, that here's what I believe. I believe that when God shows up and he does miraculous things, yes, it will arrest the attention of many, many people, but there are going to be some people that have been so groomed to see supernatural things already that that isn't going to, that isn't going to matter to them. And secondly, we've had supernatural things happen in the church, but it hasn't changed lives. We've had people healed and their life still isn't working right. I'm telling you, order. When the world is in disarray and the world is in disorder, 
and the financial systems are crumbling and marriages are falling apart and kids are incorrigible and everything seems like it's hanging on by a thread when somebody walks through that mess and there's a sense of order people are going to notice that and wouldn't it be a great thing when you look at them and say you know i'm just applying what god said makes a life work would you like to know where it all starts it starts by letting the divine order in your life order order there's some areas that need order in your life i suspect so my office desperately needed it and my garage is next but there may be a few things even more important than that that god's tweaking on saying bring order to it if you'll bring order to it man i'll i'll testify through it and you'll touch people's lives you will too if you'll embrace that divine order would you stand with me i want to ask musicians if you could begin to make your way this direction and as the musicians are moving to the front here's what we're going to do this was the last message and this is what we'll do this morning i want to ask those of you right now you've gone through all five of these lessons and you've listened and we've endeavored to teach and to counsel this is what i want to ask this morning some of you may need a new start you can make a commitment right where you're standing it can happen right there but I also believe sometimes that if, if we'll put feet to it, that there's something about stepping forward. There's something about the accountability of, of being in a room that's it's full of people and, and we step out and people can see. And, and it causes us to follow through on what it is that God's talking to us about, a new start. I'm not going to probe into your life because I realize there could be a, a 100, 150, 200 different things stirring around in this room this morning but whatever it is that the holy spirit has put his finger on your life this morning my question to you is this are you willing to admit you need a new start in that area are you willing to admit that something is dysfunctional and and order's got to come to it and maybe i didn't give you the exact answer to that issue this morning but you're willing to make the commitment that says i'm going to get in the hunt i'm going to keep pressing forward i'm going to I'm going to put my energy into it. I'm going to make some right decisions. I'm, I'm going to accept some correction. I'm going to do some of the things that Pastor mentioned all of these weeks. I'm going to do these things because I really want to get my life back on track. I have no illusion to think that somehow or another that everything that's going on is instantly going to be absolutely changed. Some of it is just bad habit that you're going to have to adjust habits in. But the Lord wants to empower you. He wants to energize you. He wants to give you a sense of hope again that it can happen in your life. I'm telling you, it can happen in your life. Maybe there's someone here who might also say, you know, I, I need a new start. But listen to me. I'm not just talking about pulling up yourself by your own bootstraps again or turning over a new leaf. For you, I'm talking about it is time to either make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, that's number one, or number two is it is time you you absolutely yielded and you consecrated yourself and, and just and break free of this tepid, just this lukewarm sort of Christian existence we have in America and you're willing to say, this is my moment that I'm saying to God, I am serious about this thing. This isn't just a cultural thing to me anymore. 
I'm, you know, we're culturally Christian. Like people are culturally Jewish and they're culturally Muslim. And it's just their culture. That's America. We're culturally Christian. I'm breaking out of that. And I, this is the real deal. This is my life. And I want that. And maybe that's your new start. And you know what? That's a great decision. But most of all, God wants to meet you and, and, and get you going. And He's going to help you and He's going to walk with you. And He's going to talk with you. And so I asked the, the musicians and the singers, worship team to come and, and, and to begin to sing a song that we sang. And we're going to worship God. And then I'm going to pray and we're going to release. But right now, just as, just as the guitarist is playing the chord riff here, if you're needing a new start right now, you just say yes to the Lord and you just come down. And, and by your coming down, you're saying, Lord, I'm marking my day. This is my moment at Legacy, at the wells of the church, at the front of the church. There's some areas that I want a new start in. God's not condemning you. Don't, don't take it as condemnation. He's loving you. And, and, you're, and you're just needing a moment. See, just like, just, you're just needing a moment where you can mark it on the calendar. May the 24th, 2009, Sunday morning, Legacy. I made a decision that that was my new start. God's given me a new start. He's given me a new start. And He's working maybe on some, and as we're worshiping God, there's still time. You slip on down. This is for you. It isn't for me. It's for you to be able to say, yeah, yeah, I want it. I want this. I want, I want people to see that I really want this. I believe, yes, I believe you can make your commitments where you're standing. I believe that. But why not be accountable to that internal thing that's going on right now? And just say, that's, that's me, Pastor. That's me. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are, you are the God of new starts. You're the God of a second chance, and yes, the third and fourth and tenth and twentieth chance. And we appreciate that. And Lord, I'm sure we have exhausted at times even your patience. Lord, your word says you are long-suffering, but Lord, help us to realize you're not eternally suffering. And you're much more patient than any human being would be. But Lord, we're just saying that today, in reality, we're making our commitments to, to a new start. We're going we're gonna to work on these areas. We're going to let you work on us in these areas. Thank you, Lord. Let's just begin to worship God. Let's do that.
saying, I, I, I'm going I'm to make my decisions here, wherever you may be this morning. Here's what you've got to begin to believe and cry out and receive. And that is the grace of God that's extended to you right now. To forgive you and to mend you and to heal you of whatever mistakes or errors, ignorances that have brought you to the place where you would say that, that this is a dysfunction in my life. That you need to know right now that, that as you've repented and you've asked for forgiveness, that God will forgive and He will heal and He will restore at this very moment. So you need to receive that. You can, you can really get the slate clean. And, and so receive that clean slate right now. Let the grace of God give you the clean slate. Yes. But here's the second half of the grace equation. That along with that, he's sending an empowerment and an endowment. He's sending virtue into your life right now to break bad habits. Come on now, you know there's some bad habits that you've fallen into. Right now, I want everyone, everyone to say, in the name of Jesus, I declare a breaking of the power and the influence of those dysfunctional habits that keep holding me back. I'm seeing it clearly. Lord, I'm availing myself for your power and your grace to enable me with victory to triumph in this specific area to begin to see not only freedom from what I have done but power to implement what I need to do Lord I'm stepping into that in Jesus name I want good order I want divine order that, Lord, your full salvation, eternally and temporally, all that that means will manifest in my mortal body. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Today is the day of new beginnings. Today is the day of my new start. Old things have passed away. I'm shutting the door. It's closed. It is locked. It's over. Today is the first day of an abundant life. Today is the first day of a successful life. A contented life. A joyful life. A peaceful life. Prosperous life healed life, whole life. Today is the day it begins to manifest with one small step. It starts today in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Now don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. But come on, you need to breathe it in. Come on, breathe it in. Get it in your heart right now. 
get it into your system right now. Come on, God's got to do this for you. I wish I could lay hands on you, and I, I'll be laying hands, and, and others I'm sure will as well in the next couple of weeks as we deal with the power of God. But right now, let me tell you something, laying on of hands doesn't put order in your life. It's when you, it's when you arise and you breathe in the grace of God as He's extending it to you and you say, I'll cooperate and I'm going to, I'm going to begin to move in what you have provided. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Listen to me. I'm, I'm, as I'm just, you can keep your eyes closed, but as I'm just looking at some of you, others may not, but you just keep on going. Come on now. I've, I had to learn a long time ago. I want everybody to get it, and some will along the way, some may not, and I can love them all, but I'm going for everything that God has for me. And that's where you've got to be this morning. I'm going after what God has for me. And He wants you to be functional. And He wants you to be well. And let me tell you, I need to break off some of you right now in the name of Jesus. Your environment is not the controller anymore of your attitude, of your perspective, of your disposition. Come on now. We're not environmentalists. And I'm not using that just as a pun. Uh, Come on. Our environments aren't controlling how God works in our life. Daniel was in Babylon. The worst environment imaginable. And yet God put in him an excellent spirit. Come on, you guys are going to be of an excellent spirit. No matter what your environment is. No matter how difficult it may be. It's your Babylon, yes. But you will prevail in your Babylon. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you right now that there's an order settling amongst us. That, Lord, you're awakening us to things that perhaps we read in your word before, things that we'd heard before, things that that had somehow came our direction that, Lord, for whatever reason, we let it go, but it's coming back to us right now. And it's and it's being uh, revealed in order that it can be established. Come on, one small step, baby steps. Come on, I, I want that picture in your mouth, baby steps. Baby steps. God is not asking for you to take these gigantic leaps. He's just asking for baby steps. But if you'll just keep working at those baby steps, they will turn into leaps and bounds. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Lord, thank you for what you're doing and how you're making your people absolutely, totally whole and well. Thank you, Lord, that their lives are going to be forever different. That this date on their calendar will be the marking date of a total rearranging of their life. And Lord, all we can do is give you credit for that. You're doing the work in folks' lives right now. So Lord, thanks. Thanks for doing what we thought was impossible. Thanks for doing what we thought you could not do or it couldn't be done. Thank you, Lord, that that's, that's being knocked out of our system and that you, oh God, can do anything. And you are in our life, even now. Lord, bless your people as we go our separate ways. Cause it to be a prevailing triumphant weekend lord again we just honor those lord that sacrifice for what we enjoy today spiritually naturally whatever it may be we honor them in jesus mighty name and i release your people lord in great victory amen amen let's put our hands together now and let's bless the lord praise god now you can greet each other and hug necks and shake hands and be an encouragement to one another and tell somebody god